Hey guys, this is Andrew once again. Um, tonight's going to be a little different. I've been hitting on uh, mental health a lot um, just because it means so much to me. Um, so even though this may help my mental health, um, this isn't going to be about that specifically. Um, I don't know, a few years back, I thought about, I thought about writing a book, um, just about my life. You know, so many people do that and so many people's lives are like way more interesting than mine. So I thought, you know, it wasn't going to be the greatest idea to do. So I started it and then I stopped it and I started it and I stopped it. And then, um, I had a bunch written, you know, and then, so I kind of come back and I, I recap my life, you know, and I think, well, you know, maybe it's book worthy, but you know, maybe no one will ever read it. I don't know. So, I mean, I guess you guys can eventually tell me that, you know, after you hear a few of my stories, but I'm not going to go through everything tonight, you know, but I think I'll start from the beginning. Uh... And, um, you know, this will make me feel better too, you know, just having people hear my story a little bit. Um, I kind of think I'll tell a little, you know, I think I'll tell later on, you know, what maybe is ailing my mind or maybe you'll be able to tell after hearing my stories how, you know, the complexity of my mind, why, why I am having, um, issues of sort, but anyway, but anyway, I was born in Elkhart, Indiana in 1987, uh, my family, lived in Napanee, Indiana. Um, they were not a very wealthy family. I was not ever, nor am I ever, or have I ever lived in a wealthy family. So they struggled. My brother was six. Um, I was born in, um, at Elkhart General Hospital because um, in Napanee, Indiana, where we lived, there was not a um, hospital there, so I went to Elkhart General. <clears throat> um, Elkhart General is a pretty big hospital. Um, matter of fact... Um, Not that this makes it a big hospital, just a cool fact, I guess. But if you know who Sean Kemp is, Sean Kemp was an amazing NBA basketball player who played for the Sonics um, back in the day. And um, Sean Kemp was born in that very hospital. So just a little cool fact. Nothing that makes that hospital great necessarily, but you know. There was some pretty awesome people born there. I'd like to think that I'm a little bit awesome, but I don't think I'm as cool as 
you know, some of those big names like Sean Kemp. But anyway, I was born um, in Elkhart General, and I was very sick. Um, I had a lot of issues breathing. So they had to figure that out. Um, as far as right when I was born, I don't really know the story of that. Um, what I do know is that they knew I had some sort of breathing issue. They just really couldn't pinpoint it. Um, so, um, eventually they put me in a, um, air tent. Most people call it an air bubble. Um, and I eventually was released to go home. So I went home and I had really bad breathing issues again. And but so before I went home, um, they discovered I had um, what they call uh, Larengo Malaysia. Larengo, it's a big word, but it doesn't mean much. So it's pretty serious for a baby, actually. But back in the day, it was a little bit more rough for a kid or a baby to have it because they didn't know how to treat it as well. So Larengo Malaysia is um, a like a like a flap over your airways. Um, it makes it some babies are born with it, and it makes it difficult. Um, for them to breathe um, on their own. Well, I had this. I had a pretty severe case of it, actually. So, um, they thought um, at the time I was ready to go home. So, I go home, and my breathing is just crazy loud. Like, uh, my mom explains it as... It was so loud that she couldn't hear the TV when the volume was all the way up. So that has to be pretty loud. You know, TVs weren't as loud as they are today, but still, you know, that's pretty loud. So they took me back to the hospital, um, and they tried to figure out what's going on. They did crazy amounts of testing. They figured out I had bronchitis. They figured out I had ear infections. They figured out that, um... I needed, well, heart monitors and oxygen and blah, 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 every, you know, all this stuff. Well, going back to my family, my family wasn't very wealthy, so they, uh, needed help, you know, some, some way, somehow. I don't know everything that my parents was doing at that time. I know my mom was not working, um. Um, and if she was, um, she never told me that she was. So I'm pretty sure she wasn't working at the time. My dad was in the army reserves. Um, and so that started the struggle. So they needed to get all these things for me. Um, but it was just way too expensive. I mean, the oxygen tank and the heart monitors themselves were like, Hundreds and hundreds of dollars. It was very expensive. So, um, 
I mean, medical equipment nowadays is really, really expensive. You know, so then when you don't got any money, it was probably pretty expensive to them too. So, um, a lot happened. Um, I need all this testing to be done. I need oxygen tanks if I want to go home. I need all this medical care at the hospital. I mean, I pretty much spend the first two years of my life in a hospital because that's my breathing was just outrageous and that's where um, I needed the most assistance from. But um, I so uh I don't really know to start this part. Uh, so we're struggling. Okay, it's, it's a bad struggle, and um, they're trying to figure out what to do. So um, I think it was kind of God in this moment. Um, so my brothers pretty much living with my grandma and grandpa Armstrong at the time. Um, he wasn't home very often because I was so sick and they were at the hospital all the time. Um, my dad had to leave all the time and come back, so he was um, discharged from the military, which I always thought it was dishonorably discharged, but I guess it wasn't because um, he still had his papers and everything else, and it said that he was honorably discharged um, due to... Um, you know, family illness or whatever. Um, so he pretty much, um, is trying to work and make ends meet, but he's not making near enough money because I think he's working at the same time, but he's not making near enough money to pay any of this anywhere close off. Um, so then, uh, our local community pops in. You know, thank God for the local community at first, because um, I'm sure that put a lot of help on my parents at that time. So they figure out that I'm allergic to all all formula. I can't breastfeed. I can't do formula. Like, I just can't do it at all. So the only thing I can have is... Um, jello water so the local uh, community the local churches and stuff helped come up with things for me as far as jello water and you know necessity things you know being a baby and and all that so um, so they help out a whole lot you know and thank God for them well um, I continue to go downhill. I need tubes put in my ears um, because I have ear infections. I need um, more equipment to help monitor my breathing and my heart and such. And um, we're just kind of at a standstill. Well, um, this is when we, um, the local Shriners help. Um, they're like a nonprofit organization that helps um, families, um, kids in need, 
um, you know, when they're in a, when they're in some sort of financial distress. And so the Shriners came in and, and they literally got us through everything that we needed for me as a kid or a baby and to survive this, you know, so, um, I put a lot of love into the Shriners now because I feel like if it wasn't for them and our local community at the time, um, I wouldn't be alive today. So, you know, and I credit that to God because if those, you know, if they didn't have some kind of good soul, you know, they wouldn't have ever helped. Um, because I can't imagine at this point wanting help from people, you know, I'm kind of stubborn myself. So I'm like, I don't need their help. You know, I don't need the, you know, I'll figure this out myself, you know, and I can, I gotta imagine that my parents were kind of like that. Um, but, but, uh, they accepted this help that they desperately needed. And, and obviously it changed, um, our lives because I survived. So that's good. Maybe that's unfortunate to some people. Maybe it's not. I do enjoy being here. So, um, so, you know, growing up, growing up, I guess, in not my, uh, I guess my single digit years, um, I didn't really need all that medical equipment and stuff after the age of two. Um, I still w- was monitored a lot, you know, I still had a lot of doctor's visits and stuff, but, um, I started to grow out of having Lorengo Malaysia. Um, I also, um, started to do, um, inhalers. I mean, I always had the inhalers with me. Um, so I just kept up with the testing and everything else and the inhalers and more doctor's visits and stuff like that. I can't imagine how hard that was on my family because I'm sure, you know, today going to the hospital or going to the doctor is not cheap by any means. So I I really credit that all to God. If God didn't feel like I had some sort of purpose here today, I wouldn't be here. So I, I, I credit him for that daily. Um and then it kind and then kind of moves on to um, my childhood, which was, um, pretty good. My parents were together a lot of my single digit years. Um, we lived on a farm. We rented the house. We lived on a farm. So we had a lot of outside playing time. Um, we really, um, was quite the opposite of society today. We were outside all the time. Um, we were playing, we were making our own slides. We were just screwing around outside all day long, doing what kids do. Um, actually, funny story. Um, I tried to talk about making slides. I would use pieces of wood, and I don't know why I ever thought that wood would be an awesome slide, but 
I um, got out this piece of wood and I put it up on the, I leaned it up on the swing set and then I climbed up top of the swing set and I slid down this thing and it hurt my butt really bad. And I was like, I started crying. I mean, it was painful. And I ran inside and I, I showed to my mom, well, um, when I was showing my butt to my mom, my mom was like, oh my God. And I was, I was like, what? And I had gotten a piece of metal from the wood in my butt cheek. Oh my gosh. So I had to go get it like surgically removed. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I was just a stupid kid. So we, I mean, and we did country stuff. We wanted to play baseball. We didn't have a baseball. So we had, we made these bats and we'd take rocks and we'd hit these rocks with these bats. And that's how we played baseball. Um, my brother actually took a rock and he winged it at my head and it hit me in the head and I, I bled so bad. Um, I ended up having, I still have a spot there today on my head, but man, I remember I, I, I had so much blood on my hand after I got hit in the head and my brother was trying not to let me tell my mom, but I, you know, I was crying too bad. And so I went inside and told her anyway, you know. I'm the little brother, and uh, I'm going to tell mom everything. So, I did. I don't even remember how if he got in trouble or not. I just remember that moment. You know, it was kind of sucky for me. Um, but we did stupid stuff. Like, we tried to ride the pigs. Um, we uh, dared each other to touch the electric fences. Um, we played in the loft of the barn. Um, we went outside and swing. Um, we, uh, we played basketball a lot. Um, you know, threw the football around a lot. I mean, just typical country kid stuff. But, you know, still then we didn't have much money. The stuff that we did have was um, mostly from the people who owned that property who lived down the road. So um, that was cool because they come over and do farming and they let us ride the tractors. Um, they would uh, let us ride like some of their stuff, like the four wheelers and stuff like that. Um, so we got an opportunity to be you know, kids, but we, we never owned that stuff for our own. So I can't ever say that, uh, you know, I had that stuff growing up, but I did get to try some of that stuff growing up. So anyway, um, at that time, my parents did foster care. Um, we had tons and tons of kids, maybe not at all at the same time, but I remember, tons and tons of kids. I think my mom said we had over 50 kids um, from the time they started before and before um, the age of 12. Um, they had around 50 kids. Um, around 12 or 13, they um, started kind of seeing themselves and uh in a different position they 
weren't agreeing with a lot of the stuff. Um, technology started to become a bigger thing, so that was complicated in their relationship. And they decided to split ways. Um, I don't really know the mix of all that. I just know that that I just remember that stuff being some sort of factor. Um, I don't exactly know what happened or how it happened, but um, but um, it did. So around 13, I believe, I believe it's around when I was 13, my parents got a divorce. Um, and that was one of the hardest things for me because I was so attached to both of my parents. I was, I was very, very emotionally attached to my father um, because I was an emotional, scared type of kid. Um, I remember when I was young, I would... I would get so scared. I'd get so scared because um, of like the weather, like a tornado or something. Um, and I'd go to my dad and I would sit by him and lay on his lap or whatever and he'd have to calm me down I'd, I'd get the shakes like I'd shake so bad like my anxiety was off the roof and uh and that was rough for me and and, and it kind of sit back I kind of talk some about my mental issues now I kind of see it then you know now that I'm just talking it's like man I was so sensitive to that stuff. I was so sensitive to uh, fear. So if I thought the weather was going to be bad, I was shaking out of my boots. If I heard something bad on the news, you know, I was losing my breath, you know. Um, If somebody was fighting or something like that. Um, I just, I lost my mind. And, and I had dad there, you know, I had dad there to help calm me down and make me forget about it. And so I could go on with my day. So, so once my parents were divorced and I, and they were separated, united. I kind of didn't know what to do with myself because I stayed. I think I believe I believe I stayed with mom first, and then um, and then end up going and living with dad. And then I had issues with living with my dad because I didn't like his girlfriend. And you know, they never really got married. But you know, the whole stepmom idea. You know, kids usually don't get along with their stepmoms and stepdads and stuff like that. And I was just kind of it, you know. And, uh, so I did that. I was, I was the typical kid, kid in that aspect, I guess. Uh, 
so I I stayed with my dad for a long time, and and I just I I didn't want to be there anymore. Um, I know I uh, I skipped school. And I just think I did that, you know, or I rebelled as a kid just because I wasn't happy. But, you know, I was going through some stuff. So I I really didn't know what I want. You know, I didn't know what I wanted. I, I didn't have the things that I wanted. And I felt like I had to depend upon myself when I was scared and I don't know. So, hence kind of probably some of the reason why I have mental health issues today, you know. You know, because it follows you, I guess. But, um, I spent a lot of my life with my grandma and grandpa Armstrong. My grandma and grandpa were my mom's adopted parents. So I knew them as my grandparents. Um, I did not know. I did not know my biological grandparents very well. I knew I met them a couple times, but I did not know them very well. I knew my my mother's biological mom was. had given her up at a very young age. Um, she had a lot of issues with drugs and alcohol and, um, so I don't know if that's the reason behind, I don't know if that's the reason behind why she Um, put my mom in for adoption or, um, whatever. I just, I knew she was a struggling person. She was an addict and, and, uh, she wasn't in the right place to be a mom. It's from what I know. So, um, and then I got to meet a, her biological dad once or twice, maybe. I know his name was Joe. Um, I never got to call him Grandpa. You know, he was just Joe to me. Um, and then my mom was put in foster care before she got adopted. I'm talking a very, very young age. Like... like uh, before she was two maybe after she was two I don't know I really don't know that story but she got put in a foster home and I've got to meet those people those people were great people Um, I believe both of them are past I could be wrong. I don't remember if 
her foster mom passed yet or not. But anyway, they they were awesome people to us. Um, she remembers them and she holds them close to her heart. She values um, the relationship that they have. Um, but then my mom went to um, live with my grandma and grandpa Armstrong, which was the best blessing I think that she ever had. So um, my grandma and grandpa Armstrong adopted her at a very, very young age. And um, she stayed there and lived an incredibly awesome life. Uh, my grandparents were Christian people. Um, they had very awesome values. Um, they taught my they taught my mom and her adopted brother very good values and very good skills and everything else. Um, even though her brother really didn't have a lick of respect to that idea he turned out to be a different type of person I'll get into that if you read my web blog um, you'll get to know a little bit about that but um, and if I write a book on that you know if I write a book on all this I think I'll get more specific with it all um, but um, it's kind of crazy um with that story. So, anyways, um, so throughout my mom and dad's divorce, um, and me going back and forth um, between the two of them, um, my grandparents were were kind of like my saving grace. Um, I loved being with them no matter where I was and what was going on. Um, their house was always my comfort place, um, and I miss that dearly to this day, because I guarantee you that, um, they would be a very, very heavy part of my life to this day. Um, um, I ended up going to a school with my mom when I lived with my mom and I played football there and I um, started getting really good grades there and um, I think that school really changed my life football really changed my life I really I got a lot of discipline from football itself. Um, I met a lot of good people. I met a, I met a lot of good friends. And, um, you know, I think that that place changed my my life very positively. But in the midst of all that, I went through a lot of stress. I went through a lot of anxiety. And um, I went through a a lot of things that kids shouldn't go through or shouldn't have to go through. You know, the 
you know, they should, they should be able to have two loving parents that do nothing but support them their whole entire life, you know, and, um, both of my parents weren't exactly supportive my whole entire life, and I'm not saying one of them wasn't, I'm saying both of them weren't, and I needed that, um, I kind of feel crappy talking about um, how my dad wasn't very supportive of me when I was young, but it's true. Um, since my dad has passed away, um, just here in 2021, but um, I've talked to him about it, I guess. And my dad just wasn't—he never went to my football games. He never went to my choir concerts. He never went to. Um, I did. Uh, um, school plays and stuff like that, you know, he never went to any of that. So, I mean, he wasn't very supportive in that aspect. As far as being a dad goes, you know, he was there and he was available to me, I guess. Um, as far as helping, you know, buying me stuff and helping me stuff, I guess he did that. But I would have rather him been the supportive type. You know, I would have killed to have him at a football game. So. But anyway. My parents' divorce not only changed my life, but it changed their lives. And then it changed our lives as a whole. And it still affects me today, I think. And that's just the beginning of it all. So, the next time I talk about my life, I think I'll start talking about um, after high school. Um, After high school, I left. um, I moved to Portland, Oregon. I moved to um, all the way on the other side of the United States. And um, I found out a very different life. And I'll start talking about that then. And kind of go from there. But. uh, Yeah, I mean, that's why I wanted to write a book, I think. Because my life was just so. It was crazy kind of back and forth. There was a lot to it. Um, There's a lot that affected me mentally. um, And maybe, you know, even though my life wasn't like super really bad. You know, maybe people could still see. um, That. You know, their family lives really do play a pivotal part of these kids' lives. And that's why they have issues that they have today, you know. And with society being so crazy and so different now, I can't imagine exactly what I would be like if I lived in a today's society type world. You know, maybe I never would even made it. I don't know. I don't feel like I would have. Um, but these kids have to be strong kids in order to to make it through society today. And so we just need to be supportive, pe- supportive people, supportive parent. We don't need to be their parents, I guess. We need to need to be supportive figures in their lives, and and that's technically what I want to do for a career for the rest of my life is is to be some sort of support system for the youth. So, 
All right. All right, I'm going to stop rambling for the night. Uh, I really appreciate you all listening. Um, And that's my first segment of a little bit of me. Have a good one, guys.